0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. One of the things we try to do here at the podcast is help you navigate faith in the modern world. And there have been few Instagram feeds that have done a better job of sparking a conversation about faith in the modern world, more so than the Instagram feed that we're going to be talking about today, which is, Preachers and Sneakers. Uh, Ben Kirby is the man behind this, and uh, we're going to get this fascinating discussion because this Instagram feed has brought to the forefront a conversation about what does it mean to be followers of Jesus in a world of abundance and materialism, specifically when your spiritual teachers, when your preachers are the ones who are wearing sneakers that are uh, going at an exorbitant rate. So uh, that conversation is coming up in just a second, but first, I want to talk to you about something I learned on my sabbatical, pace. Now, truth be told, this conversation with Ben Kirby took place about a month and a half ago, and I hate I hate to have a conversation just sit and rest for that long because you know, things change so much in this world in a month and a half, but nevertheless, uh, I recorded it, plan to post it, but the day after I think I recorded, I had another conversation with John Eldridge. And if you listened last week, uh, you heard me kind of breaking that down. But uh, John Eldridge basically said, you're wasting your sabbatical by working and doing a podcast on it. And so I was like, okay, good call. So I decided to put the podcast on ice for a while. And one of the things that I experienced is that I, I stopped doing and I started to become aware that the pace in which I was living was unsustainable and pace is something that we typically don't like set out and go this is going to be my pace in life but it's often like the speed that we drive when we're on the road Uh, typically if you're driving on the road you probably don't know the actual number of miles per hour that you are traveling at at that exact moment but you know your speed relative to the vehicles around you and so we can kind of just guesstimate how fast we're going based on the people around us and that's often what we do with our pace in life. We don't know if the pace is too fast or too slow. All we do is kind of navigate how fast we're going and the pace that we're living at based upon the people around us. And the problem is we live in a world that is very frenetic, that we're constantly doing, doing, doing. And what can happen is our, our, our pace can get out in front of us. And so on this sabbatical, I started to realize like, the pace that I was living at didn't enable me to be the kind of person that I wanted to be. One of the things that I've been working on is being more patient, and I found that I am more patient in the present when in the past I have said no to things in the future. The more I say yes right now for the future causes me in that present moment when the future arrives for me to have to say no to more things and to feel like I have to accomplish and fill more and more moments of my day with productivity, And so, the pace that we create is often one that we choose. Now, not everyone has the ability to choose how much work they have to do and the responsibility of their family and their home life and their health situation. All those things are uh, factors which lead us to the pace that we're living. And so, some of this is beyond our control, but there are some things we do control and be present to your family. And obviously, that's not unsustainable. That is unsustainable for the rest of life. But I think gearing our pace to something that is realistic enables us to realistically be the kind of people that we need to be. Uh, Because often our anger and our impatience is indicative of our inability to create a sustainable pace. A few months ago, I was uh, at jiu-jitsu and uh, a gentleman who had been doing it much longer than me gave me this weird piece of advice. He said, Luke, while you roll, you need to like sing a song in your head the first thing that came to mind was the scene from The Office when they're learning CPR. And so Michael Scott on The Office in this episode is uh, practicing CPR on a dummy, uh, singing the song uh, Staying Alive. You Remember that song? I don't, I don't know what it's actually called. but uh, So that was like supposed to give him the rhythm to how to do CPR. Uh, but as this guy says this, he's not trying to get me to act out like Michael Scott, but what he's saying is, if you don't regulate your pace... And the rhythm of a song can be what regulates your pace. If you don't have something that's regulating your pace, you're just going to end up going too hard and too fast, and you'll eventually burn yourself out. And so jiu-jitsu is a sport in which there's uh, you know, medium level of exertion for long periods of time that is interspersed with high levels of activity. And for some of us, we set the pace that we live at at this high level of activity incessantly. And so it's go, 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 go without any sustainable pace to us. And what happens is we end up being unable to be present to the people around us because we've said yes to things that make our pace unrealistic. But here's the flip side of that. so I've been thinking about pace, thinking about slowing down, thinking of like living a realistic life that enables me to have the virtues that I want to live into. What happens is there's a drug that you experience when you live this frenetic pace. It's this, this drug of productivity. Because when you do a whole lot of stuff, like you have like this endorphin rush of, I'm, I'm accomplishing, I'm feeling good, I, I've got this thing going on. And when you slow down, especially if you're an Enneagram seven, it feels, man, I'm kinda, kinda bored, because I'm not doing as much. I'm not going as much, I'm not going as hard, I'm not feeling my day as full. And it's almost like you have to wean yourself off of this addiction to productivity and to experiences so that you can be, have a realistic encounter with life as it's supposed to be. So, pace. Try it out. Check it out. And now, let's check out this conversation about preachers and sneakers. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. Today, we have Ben Kirby joining us from Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the show, Ben. What up? Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You obviously are uh, the man behind the, uh, I-, I don't know if there's been a more viral thing in kind of my world than Preachers and Sneakers, than, uh, like, there hasn't been. It's, like, that's just an absolute fact. So, like, that's what people know you for. And... Yeah. uh I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast with friends before, and uh, it's good to finally have you on so we can uh, talk directly to you. Since, hey, I appreciate it. Since you know everything good. about preachers and sneakers, so thank you for being that for us. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, my life's biggest accomplishment. It's so fulfilling, and
1: you know my parents are still so proud.
0: I bet they are. Like, they're like, I always wanted my son. I, I didn't want him to become like a NBA player, like... Our childhood best friend, Mr. Holiday, but we want him to be uh, an internet celebrity with Preachers Heck, and sneakers. Yeah. yeah, it's much more profitable. Yeah, I can imagine a that. Celebrity. Like, a, who who really wants a championship ring? Who? Do, not, not me. Would, no, I, I would heavy. Yeah, I would rather have a viral <laughs> Instagram account that has obfuscated my identity for the first two years of it. Uh, yeah. And that sucks up ten hours of your day, are seven you, days a week. Are you really spending ten hours a day on that?
1: Uh, the first year, I was like the. The iPhone tracking basically said, you spent nine, average nine or 10 hours a day on social. Wow. Which was my mental health. How was that? Uh, great. Uh, I, it got, I had to eventually set some boundaries. Yeah. As expected. Uh, yeah. If I wanted to stay married, you know.
0: Yeah. I think that's the right decision. Stay married over a uh, social media account. Probably a good idea. I wholeheartedly agree. So yeah. in the book, you said like you were a nobody, but like social media, like you weren't really active anywhere close to this before this thing took off. Right. No, just like just like a, any other personal user, like hey, we're on
1: vacation. Hey, happy anniversary. Hey, happy birthday to my wife. That kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So, give me the percentage that your social media time went up from uh, pre. I was. Pro- I mean, I was
1: at the time. I was still like a definitely a lurker, like a, a <laughs> doom scroller, if you will. But it's probably seventy five percent, eighty percent. It went up because. Yeah. You know, before I wasn't spending a second thinking of content to post or, or, or captions to write or stuff to engage with. It was really like, hey, I did this funny thing, or hey, we went on this cool trip, or hey, I've got this cool picture. Yeah, yeah let me post it. Yeah, and uh,
0: that changed dramatically. So two ten, years ago, ten hours a day, it t- seven days a week to to run the site. Give or I mean, give or take,
1: and that's a personal choice. Like trying to. Because on the, the first few months, I had celebrities and stuff and news people reaching out, and I didn't ever want to miss that. And so yeah, I, no. like, I was always on checking it and also always combing for content because it was on the up and up. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to stop doing this. The people it's working. are reacting. Yeah, it's working. So let me spend all this time. But I, at the time, I was uh, finishing up my MBA at SMU full time. And mm-hmm. so I'd have to do that before and after class. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was
0: an interesting time. Yeah, so celebrities. Uh, Just a second ago I mentioned like your childhood best friend, uh, NBA player, still playing right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Justin Holiday, right? Yeah. He's like one of the three brothers who all were in the league at one time. Is that right? Yeah, he's the oldest. Yeah, they're all currently in the league. Drew and Aaron
1: are his younger brothers.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. And so the celebrity connection, though, wasn't through him. It was just because the site went viral, right?
1: Yeah, no, it was... I was friends with Justin before – I mean, obviously, yeah. since growing up. Um, but he was the guy that first gifted me my first pair of sneakers, really. My first pair of sneakers that meant anything. Um, but when the account was blowing up, celebrities uh, unsolicited were just reaching out to me saying, this is hilarious. Thank you for doing this, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Joel McHale, who wrote the four – which the four was just perfect. Um, yeah. He obviously Joel. is pretty – like. Uh, he's pretty outspoken about loving the page. Uh, when mm-hmm. w- when Zach Lynn, who front uh, of the show, uh, he started. Oh, is he? Hop- yeah, he's been on a couple times. Uh, oh, through, I through love form- him. Yeah, he's great. Uh, th- like this is right in his like wheelhouse. Like this is legitimately like this is Zach perfectly.
1: You see that? See, so he doesn't leave me alone.
0: That's Jonathan Merritt. Merritt. Yes, yeah. who. He was the person who introduced me to the website, I think. I saw him before we started recording. uh, April 4th, 2019, get a group text from him with Annie's on it, uh, Jay's on it. And uh, we start going back and forth about the site. And so we start having this conversation that everyone has had since then of, okay, is this the worst thing ever? Uh, Like, I'm sure these are gifted to people. What's awful? And for me, it's just like, I, I, I don't, I can't remember the last time I spent $100 on a pair of shoes. And yeah. in the book, you tell the story of your marine. You're stationed somewhere—is it Europe or something like that? And yeah, Romania. I, I don't know where that is, but can I say Europe? <laughs> okay, yeah, in that, Europe. That's yeah, Europe? Eastern yeah, yeah, Europe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was like, is that one of the things in Marvel? I feel like that's—is <laughs> that the city that got lifted <laughs> up? It up? Yeah. yeah. Um, but okay, so your guy gets a hookup from Nike, and so he says, "Hey, here's you know, 35 pairs of shoes or whatever." And so that, uh-huh. like that, that's your entrance into the shoe world. And for me, it's like, like I i don't know i don't focus on it and so for you like your sneakerhead is that the right word what, what? yeah yeah okay. at the
1: time i was yeah
0: wait are you saying you're not right now
1: well i i'm like I've, i haven't bought a pair of sneakers in probably a year and a half or so like i still keep up with it but i'm not like
0: collecting and reselling sneakers right now okay so for me it was like oh my goodness like this is what like real human beings are paying for shoes yeah yeah and to, to see that i assume many of us were like oh, wow, Like I know who these people are. Some of these people have been on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, now we see that they're, they're wearing shoes that are valued at... Some of these shoes are more expensive than the truck that I drive. Literally, yeah. more expensive than the truck that I drive. And so, it, do you think a lot of the feedback was just like, oh my goodness, this, there's a whole other world that people are spending this much money and the people that we look up to as spiritual gurus are in this world?
1: Yeah, it was... I th- for a lot of people, I've, I've come to realize it was like sticker shock in a lot of ways. Because for years... We've seen pastors and preachers dress hip, and you know, old curmudgeons didn't like that. But most of us were like, cool, they're dressing hip, like it's, yeah. it's better for the message. It's, I'd prefer to hear from somebody that doesn't look like a tool, that kind of thing. But then once, once I put the price tag or the street value or the resale value of the shoes, then it made everybody contend with it for themselves, like, whoa, okay. These are if this guy sold these shoes today, he could get twelve hundred dollars. Or if he sold these today, having not worn them, he could get twelve hundred dollars for these shoes. Uh, how do I feel about that? Since I reasonably assume he's living off donations, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so it made people kind of lose their minds a little bit because they didn't know what to do with it.
0: Yeah that that was definitely. It. Um, make, did you have McManus on when his clothing line came out? I assume that's probably uh, on the podcast. No, no, no. Like on the. On your oh no, I haven't posted about it yet. Okay, people sent it to me. Yeah, for sure. Well, I had him on the podcast, and I was like, oh, like I, this guy's really thoughtful. You know, he has two different great speaker, great speaker, brilliant guy. Like he has two different shoes. Like they're different color shoes. Like they're the same shoe, but like they're two different. Co- I'm like, okay, this is a little different. Like it's 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 like I can't pull that off. I don't feel comfortable in my manhood to be able to do that. Um, but and then so like I, I became a fan of him after talking to him, and then I, like I see the price tag, I'm like, oh wow. This is just a different world for me, and i didn 't even high fashion yeah I like I, I don't even know where to start with this world
1: right, and it for people that are in it or that are fans of high fashion it's just part of it, like this stuff is either handmade or really well made or just branding, and the price tags start at like fifteen hundred dollars or like yeah. manis' stuff started at like twenty five hundred or three thousand dollars for the jackets yeah uh people that Normal people that have never given a second thought to fashion had never considered that or maybe still don't consider that. But that people are out there that are buying pieces of clothing and wearing them that are even retailing for that. Like McManus' stuff specifically retails between $1,500 and $3,000. And so that's something, uh, if you've never thought about it before, it can make you uh, just step back and be like, what in the world is this? What is going on? yeah like how like i I pay a mortgage and I work my butt off all week to just pay bills, mm-hmm. and there's people out here that uh, are are spending three thousand dollars on jackets. It's just like a world that many of us had never considered before.
0: yeah you make uh, an interesting distinction. you said it re- retails for that now I've seen the book you explain it a little bit, but some of us don't realize that it, there's the like the aftermarket community that yeah. price up this stuff and so there is some debate over how much exactly the shoes cost the person if they bought them at the store compared to what they're actually valued at now right yeah there's a whole world of so it's like scarcity
1: uh and supply and demand it's kind of like a microeconomic type thing wow
0: <coughs> where the smu's paying off for that nba right there <laughs> yeah, some yeah. fancy words right there big boy uh, uh, thank you
1: i appreciate it <laughs> i looked them up right before this the, the sneaker the sneaker world and like we're not even talking about designer world but sneaker world has so many fans and certain sneakers are so limited and so hard to get because everybody wants them that the people that do actually get lucky enough to buy them can then list them to resell them at a markup and basically the market drives itself up because the amount people are willing to pay for it keeps going up and up and up as as people wear them too. like um you know once you wear a pair of shoes it's not dead stock anymore which basically means that it's never been worn you know you're going to learn a whole lot of new terms um uh but once you wear them that means that reduces the amount of shoes that are out there that are brand new and so that drives the stock up even more so yeah yeah so there's certain shoes that uh show up on the account that started at the market for like 160 dollars or 190 dollars yeah. but there were 500 pairs and sold out within milliseconds yeah. and in turn if you ever wanted to actually buy a pair of those you would have to pay the resale value and also if you had those shoes you could very easily turn around and resell them to all these hype beasts out here that would be willing to pay for it for 5 10x what you paid for them yeah so it's an interesting it's an interesting market.
0: When when I have people on the podcast, I typically feel like it's my responsibility to help like, translate, because sometimes you'll have like an academic who will use phraseology that doesn't make sense to the average person. Sure. Uh, now, I'm in an interesting predicament, because you just used the phrase height beast," which I would like to think 75% of my audience doesn't know what that means. I read it okay. in the book, but it, that's like people who like to wear streetwear? Is that what gosh gotcha. gotcha. i, feel, I feel so old
1: right now like kid tell right. me I'm, about I'm, the. i'm borderline on it the only reason i know about this stuff is because i've been living in this world for two years but a hype beast is <laughs> maybe this isn't webster but basically somebody that wants to wear clothing and sneakers that have the most hype that are the most expensive and display that they're able to pay for that expensive clothing like for example if you Supreme is one of the biggest kind of hype beast brands. It's this red logo. It's yeah. what my logo is kind of based off of. Uh, it's ripped off of Supreme. Basically, it's just a red box with white letters that says Damn. Supreme. And those T-shirts, the blank T-shirt with a red box in the middle that says Supreme on it, sell for like fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. And hype beasts are the people that are willing to pay for that mm-hmm. in order to show others that they can pay for that. Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't have to be good looking, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, popular among any other populations but within the hype beasts like if it's popular it's got a ton of hype around it they're willing to pay in order to wear that to show like hey dude i've got the most hyped up shirt or sneakers in the game right now check me out let me post
0: on the gram that kind of thing ben last night i was working out and there was a 24 year old who was there and he said to me Luke, I hope to be half as active as you are when I get to your age. And I was like, "Wow, that, that hurts a lot. <laughs> and so this conversation compounded on top of that has been like, it's, it's, do, it's doing a lot to my soul that I'm not ready for. And so I'm just gonna, mm-hmm. I, like, I wanna put that out there. And it's like, this is a lot for me to feel as antiquated as I do right now. Now, one of the things that also made me feel antiquated is our church um, recently partnered with a local church that had been around for a couple of years and then they were kicked out of their school that they were meeting in because of COVID uh, restrictions with the uh, school district. And so it's a church that uh, the pastor, uh, Tori, big shout out to Pastor Tori, he's a good dude. Uh, He's 34, and I think he's like one of the oldest people there. And so there was like hundreds of these like 20-year-olds that are showing up. And I'm like, wow, I feel real old there. And I'm noticing first things like their shoe game is, like, phenomenal. Now, I wear, like, Nike Kill Shots. Like, that. I, that's my go-to shoe. I have one pair. I love them. They're great. Uh-huh. They're perfect for me. And um, these, like, their shoe game is just amazing. And so I meet one of the guys who's on staff there, and he explains to me, like, Tori told me, like, hey, this guy's, you know, a sneakerhead or whatever. And he bought, you know, shoes, and he sells them, and, like, made thousands of dollars off of, like, just buying and reselling. I'm like, wow, like, this this doesn't make sense to me, but it's helping prices going, like, wait a minute. It's not like this person... Is just taking all the money they earned as a pastor and just like dropping the shoes, but there's actually a way like to make money off of this. And you know, some people are into Bitcoin, some people are into shoes, and some people are into like traditional stocks. And like for someone on the outside, they can easily judge you and go, "Wow, you're spending way too much money on shoes." But if you're in it, like there's actually a way that you go, "Well, that's it." Kind of can add up and make sense if you're doing that. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's plenty of ways to do it. The if you're lucky enough to win a few raffles online and be like able to buy pairs of sneakers at retail price and then just flip them immediately, that's a pretty good way to make some money that you mean the way the reason you can make so much money doing that is because there is so much kind of luck involved because it's so hard to get a lot of these pairs or you can invest in like a bot, which there's a whole other ethical concern about that, which basically automatically buys shoes right when they or tries to buy shoes right when they release. It's a whole other level. You got to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Or you have, you network it, and build relationships with sneaker store owners and get backdoored, that kind of thing. You know, there's a lot it's of It's basically ways.
0: like a limited buy for stocks, but you do them with shoes. Like you have this thing yep. that's doing that. Wow. This is. That's, I mean, that's what StockX is. It's literally the stock market of things. This is absolutely great. Operates the same way. Okay. So in the book, which, uh, it's a great read. Uh, well done writing it. Thanks for reading uh, it. I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you say towards the end of the book, which I don't know, I was like, do you bury this at the end just so you don't like upfront start with it? But you say you're still not sure that it's wrong for like a pastor to be wearing shoes like this. But I think the actual word you used, and I think this is one of those SMU words, was icky. It feels kind of icky.
1: <laughs> that is an SMU word for yeah, sure. You'll yeah. be proud that I was using that word.
0: Yeah. So y- you're not sure that it's wrong uh, that they're wearing these shoes, but something doesn't feel right about it. Is it fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. For sure, and it's
1: uh, at first that's all it was to me. It was like this feels, this feels weird. Why would anyone ever wear this level of shoe on stage when preaching about God? You know, after being in this for two years and experiencing all the nuance and talking to a lot of these guys, I totally understand a lot of the situations around how they are able to get these kind of things. And you know, I'm not in a position to say one way or the other if it's bad in this individual circumstance or not. All I've wanted to say is that there's wisdom in considering what you put on before you go speak about the creator of the universe because it conveys a message. Even if you don't intend for that message to be conveyed, just like you driving a BMW, a brand communicates a message. Um, And so just be aware of that. And if you you choose to, be secure in it. Like to wear a pair of shoes and get up and feel insecure and have to feel all defensive about it isn't the way to do it um and so judah smith a few weeks or years ago said uh if you wear
0: it own it preacher and that's i mean i agree yeah uh, i feel like being honest is typically the good the the best thing there there is a uh uh what do you call it? alumni of your uh of your feed that uh, on well, there quite often actually who had a ridiculous house let me say that again a house that was very expensive that he was building and mm-hmm. there was a new story about it and so he gets up the following week and says you know it's not even that great of a house and you're like it well, was on last night actually yeah the yeah, with yeah. the the red the red bottom shoes which i'm like i yeah, feel like Louis I batons. yeah i was like that's that's a bold move uh I mean, anyway, Uh, but so the the story I was trying to get to uh, with, here's the thing, like there's a line of, I don't want to talk trash about someone. And I also think like, if you're on stage, like you should be able to engage in like what they're actually like putting out there. And I I know that's like a big part of the the conversation, even in the book that you're trying to wrestle with of like, anyway, so so this guy, let, let me go back to the story before we get completely lost on that. He says in the sermon like the week after, like he mentions, he goes, hey, you know, there's a helicopter going around my house. It's not even that, that nice of a house. And you go, w- well, the house is like valued at like $1.4 million. To say that it's not nice of a house is a little less than honest. And so if you're going to build that Flash, house- It's kind of a flex. <laughs> it's like not that nice of a house, it's and, $1.4 million. <laughs> I didn't even think of it that way. It's like, what, what is your other house if that's- you're Right. It's a, but if you think this is what you're going to do, then at least stand behind it and- I, I don't know. It just seems that what your site is trying to do is like, it, it requires a level of honesty of going, yes, this is the value of something I'm wearing and I'm either going to be okay with it or I'm going to pretend like it's not super expensive, which it can be easily disproved.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I like that. And it's and there's also a distinction between, this isn't the right term, but repeat offenders where it's like, one dude steps up in a pair of off-white Jordans one time and is taken a picture of, I rarely post that. Because it's like, all right,
0: clearly somebody. Wait, why, uh, why? Why would you not do that? I mean, if if they're wearing the shoe, that's give me the value for that shoe.
1: Uh, well, a certain. I mean, there's multiple off white Jordans, but like, I guess what I was trying to say is that <laughs> if it's a random pastor in Oak, like uh, Nebraska, and mm-hmm. somebody sends me a picture of them wearing off white Nikes, and they have you know five thousand followers or something, I generally don't post that. Like, generally the people with the massive followings that have a new designer outfit on every single weekend are the ones that drive more discussion because it's like, all right, now we're talking about the economy of Christianity here where you're able to, Mm. there's no way somebody is, if there is, this is insanity, but there's no way someone is gifting you designer outfits every single weekend for two, two straight years. Like it's the odd, it just seems very improbable. So that's, that's the kind of stuff I care more about, just where it's like, dude, it really seems like there's the ability to get rich off of preaching about God, and
0: I want to wrestle with that. Yeah. So one of the big questions is, like, are these shoes gifted to you? And so when the guy wears these shoes, which, you know, for my listeners just try to say, like, these are shoes that could be hundreds of dollars or maybe a thousand dollars or whatever. And so the idea that you're saying is, well maybe this isn't like uh, uh, I think what is the book uh repeat Flex offenders I believe is that the chapter registered time?
1: Flex offenders
0: yeah there there you go that's that's something there like that's a <laughs> that, that's a lot that's a lot um which it is um but so you're trying to say like these people that like are reoccurring um like this is a consistent pattern because it's caused people to have that same experience you had when you were a kid um I think you call it like the Harley moment when you're a kid uh mm-hmm. y- your your family is should be pretty well off your dad's a a a doctor and Mm -hmm. you live conservative lifestyle uh nothing too extravagant and you see your pastor roll up in this really nice harley yeah which i think you say in the book is like you know way more expensive than like your entire year's tithe or whatever um Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden like it made you just question like what's going on here and yeah without context without any
1: background info that was like 25 years ago and i i put that story in there just to to show, like, this is the first instance where I just had a question pop up in my head. And, you know, th- that pastor is still a friend of the family and...
0: <laughs> Until you know, the book comes always, out.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, for real. Uh, there, there's always context behind a lot of these different things. And, of course, like, come to find out he had never taken a salary from our church. It, like, had never been... And it wasn't selling anything to our church, anything. So context matters. And that's part of what the book is about is like, hey, before you make snap judgments about what guys and girls are doing, maybe try to like ask good questions of your community or ask good questions of the people that are leading your church before you just like assume the absolute worst in everybody.
0: Hmm. It seems that part of the the draw to the site is that there is something which people want to see successful people be pulled down to, yeah. to to shame them functionally. Like that like we want to see Tiger Woods go from like the biggest celebrity to now he's like the biggest, you know, pari- that no one wants to be around because he's made these terrible choices. And there's something like that's I don't like that's cathartic. Yeah, I don't
1: know. And I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not interested in doing that and know a lot of these guys as people now. Like I've never been in wanting to be in the business of shame, but there are people that are very quick. And the reason my account grew is due in part to people wanting to do that very thing. Mm -hmm. So that's what makes people frustrated at me or send like, you know salvation questioning hate mail because it's like, how could you ever set up a platform where people can say bad stuff? like, all right, dude, not everybody is doing that. But sure, there are terrible people out there that straight up just want to shame people.
0: So where's the line? Like, you're putting a side out, pastor wearing shoes that cost $1,200. You're just acknowledging that. But some people want to go there and say, hey, this is an opportunity for me to shame this person. You're not like, you don't tag the people. In the pictures anymore, I feel like you. Mm-hmm.
1: you like, I did it at the very beginning.
0: Yeah, and why? Why did you stop doing that? Just because it was happening in the comments as it was, and
1: uh, at the very beginning, everything was just blowing up out of control. And I was getting all these people that were pissed at me, and so I was like, "Dude, like I took a couple weeks off because I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what I'm doing with this. I'm gonna reevaluate what I'm doing." And so after that, when I came back, I decided not to tag the pastors in case they didn't want to be a part of it. Like if, if they wanted to not deal with the, me posting or the comments or anything, I just wasn't going to tag them. People would tag them in the comments, but I was like, well, that's going to be done for me anyway.
0: Yeah. So I'm kind of perplexed about this because on the one hand, you're taking images that they're actually posting on their own social accounts and you're just acknowledging the price of the stuff that they're publicly wearing. Yep. And so like the, that facilitates a conversation that needs to have happen. Yep. And you, you mentioned the book, one of the critiques you get is like, you know, Matthew 18 wants you to speak directly to them and say, Hey, if this is what you're doing, this is like, like that doesn't happen. Like there's no form and channel in which you could have that conversation. Right. Correct. And so you, you can't do that. And on the other hand, like people are using what you're doing as an opportunity to, to shame these people. And it's like the old saying, like statistics never lie, but lies use statistics. You know, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? Like where people can can take what you're doing that doesn't necessarily like lead to shame, but they use it for shame. And so I, I hear that you're trying to like balance that and I don't, yeah, I, I don't know the line and I'm grateful that I don't have to figure that out. That's that's your yeah. job, not mine. Yeah, you could, Yeah, you could
1: see how it gets complicated and that I didn't do that on purpose, but I want to be the type of person that isn't, just like an a-hole about these things and say this is this is completely right or this is completely wrong like i don't want to be a moral relativist but also this is the type of thing that has no uh specific like basis lined out in the bible like there are there are there's wisdom and there are guidelines in terms of this specific thing about uh you know being modest and like we could get into all the verses about pastor qualifications and fruits of the spirit and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, nowhere in the Bible is it like you should never wear a pair of shoes worth over $300. And so, yeah, certain people show up that are hurt by the church or hate one of these guys or girls and can use that to go to their account and harass them or go to their account and say they're a false teacher, blah, de blah, Some of them maybe are false teachers. Um, but I also don't want to just create an echo chamber on my account where it's like, I'll delete like bonafide, just straight up hateful stuff as much as I can, because I don't want to be a part of that by any means, if I have control over it. But I also don't want to shy away from criticism. Like I, that's because it then you start getting into like burying your head in the sand. Like how many, there's so many pastors over the years that have embezzled funds that have, Use the church for their personal gain, and how many people just said, You know what? Like, I'm just going to trust God that He's doing right with my ties and everything. It's like, dude, at a certain point, you've got to, if you see something, like, you got to say something at some point. Yeah. And to me, this is a macro discussion about the church economy to say, Hey, everybody, look at what our modern church has become it's a lot about elevating the guy or the girl yep. up more than pointing to jesus it's a lot about self-help and motivating people to get through their you know personal problems without calling them to anything hard or to repent of anything and also it's a pretty good business model where you can write a book on church time sell it to your congregation speak at your buddy's church sell it to that congregation get music licensing income mm-hmm. like it, so it's a, it turns into this big macro thing that I, that I feel strongly about. Like the individual situations are – and I, I'm not – if I'm rambling down a different angle, I'm not trying to deflect here. I'm just – I'm trying to get the thought out, I guess. You're doing great. Uh, uh, to me, the individual situations have nuance to them. Like I fully yep. uh, believe that and have seen and heard the nuance and understand it. But at a macro level, I think it's still worth talking about, even if there's some like messy collateral damage. Like I'm not completely sure how I would have ever avoided that given the subject matter. But yeah. the subject matter seems worth addressing. And I couldn't think of many other ways of addressing this at,
0: at this scale. Yep. you know well there's there's damage that was happening even if we weren't talking about it cuz someone like right. me like I, I like this isn't my conversation like i just not my world but i had a conversation a couple of years ago with a buddy uh, out in LA and we're talking about it, like his you know his church experience out there and he said he, he went to what he called uh praying with the stars which was led <laughs> by um one of your you know uh-huh. people you talk about a lot yeah yeah and, yeah he mentioned that like this guy was dry like he, uh, you know, he said something to the servant about like how he doesn't like care about like fancy cars or something like that. And he said, yeah, but the dude was wearing a watch that was, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And I was like, well, I, Obviously, like I, I don't even own a watch. Like I, I don't know how much that costs. But for him, he was already being able to see how much the stuff he was wearing was, because like that's his lifestyle, like that's his world, and he like he can afford that kind of stuff. And so he already is going. Wait a minute, this doesn't seem consistent with what you're saying, because I can see something different in what you're doing. And yeah. like at the at the heart of this, like in, in the book, you, you acknowledge like the connection to this. It's Christianity's relationship to fame. Because one of the mm-hmm. things that we've seen over and over again is, as soon as someone you know who's famous becomes a Christian, like we want to get like front and center. Hey, put put you right here. We'll put you on any stage we want because it validates us. And so we've gone yeah. from Christianity wanting to worship our like cultural celebrities and say, Hey, you're like us. But then, like in the book, you make the acknowledgement that it's now like our Christian leaders are becoming cultural like celebrities. And yep. you mentioned in the book a story about Carl, uh, Carl Lentz from uh, Hillsong uh friend of the show um it's complicated now uh to say yeah. that but um yeah. like getting off an airplane with the guys from boys to men on it and tmz mm-hmm. wants to talk to him not uh like end of the road people in the back who all of a sudden are now like second class compared to carl Lentz. and so like w- what is happening with Christian's obsession with celebrity as we're playing the same game as the world
1: yeah and the alignment with mainstream celebrities this uh, like as christian's As a whole, I'm willing to say that a lot of us are obsessed with making Christianity palatable to the mainstream because, at least for me, I'm a three-wing two. I am a people pleaser. I love to be accepted. Like I want people to think I'm cool and funny and all that kind of stuff. And I think plenty of Christians are like that where it's like this is a weird subculture we're a part of that has some weird ideologies. Uh, Hey, let's – take this mainstream celebrity that is kind of working on his faith and he's now basically said the you know yep. campus ministry i was involved in uh in college we called it the decision opportunity where you basically say oh. you say yes to jesus you have now turned and confessed and follow jesus now uh once that happens now we can put them on jimmy fallon or on yep. Joel Osteen stage, and now the world can see. Hey, it's it's you can be cool and a mainstream celebrity and be a Christian at the same time. But it just makes it makes things more complicated. It makes things more messy because now you're forcing people to like the thing I struggle with is like how to be a raging fan of people like Bieber or Kanye or any other celebrity. John Mayer is one of, one of the people I write about in the book that I'm a huge fan of. It's really hard to like appropriately be a fan of them and also be more of a fan of God or more appropriately worship God. Once you combine those two things, it gets really muddy about who you're worshiping and um, more and more in 2020 and 2021, the church is more and more obsessed with that. And I think that's something worth uh, peeling back because it's, it's a, a currency that we all see the value in, but can really corrupt yeah. uh, if we're not careful.
0: Yeah, it, it's a currency because you know that when you know Bieber is posting something where he's singing, you know, the Hillsong, uh, you know, a song by Hillsong. Yep. Like as as a parent of kids, it's like uh, like I have a twelve year old, and like I w- it's nice to go, hey, you know, Bieber likes this or when, yeah. uh, t- to be more, you know, culturally relevant to where I was, uh, to where I am, like the church I was a part of, when uh, when Colt McCoy was playing at Texas, starting mm-hmm. quarterback for UT, uh, he was a member at, at our church. And, like, I remember being there, visiting one time when when I was in college, I guess I was in grad school, and my wife was a member of this church before I was a pastor. And, uh, you know, Colt shows up late from a game, uh, he, the night before he's playing in Florida, he flies back, that next morning he's going to church in Texas, and I see literally him walking a little bit late, and people like look around oh that's colt mccoy and i literally saw a guy push his wife down so there'd be like room on the pew next to them where colt mccoy and luckily colt's not crazy he doesn't sit next to that guy because you like you don't sit next to that kind of person Um, (laughs) like that's just crazy especially a grown adult doing that for you yeah but here's the thing like there there are times that people like pass them stuff to sign during communion it's like we're all receiving the sacraments. like hey would you receive but on the other hand there are a lot of parents who are like hey son look at this this is yeah. a, a valuable thing for Colt. And so it can be valuable for you. And so you go, well, y- yeah, this is the currency we're dealing in, but if we're not, you know, if we're not aware of it, this currency can corrupt our own soul. And so you have to somehow like, like this is a messy world that we live in and we've got to yeah. be aware of like the latent problems that exist within it.
1: Yeah. I, I, that's a really good way to frame it. Cause I, I, you know, I honestly haven't even thought that much about that in terms of like using it as something. Cause I'm about to be a first time dad, Big congrats. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I absolutely see that. Like wanting good example, good mainstream examples for your kids to say like, hey, like, yeah, sure. Ignore this cheesy character in Christianity right here. Look at this mainstream dude that's inspiring, you know, like the Tim Tebos of the world. Like yeah. you can look to him and say, he's doing it. He's living his faith out uh, and he's being bold about it, but he's also having worldly success from working hard and everything. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's merit to that as well.
0: Yeah, like you want to support, like, hey, Tebow's making, you know, like, a, you know, difference in the world is being positive. He's also, you know, taking his shirt off to run in the rain. Like at the same time, it's just like <laughs> which, which one do you like more? I probably prefer him, like, you know, talking about Jesus more. But you know, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. No, I'm going to stop the story. I don't want to get in trouble. uh, uh just there's a, there's a line even I won't cross. Um, that's good. Yeah. Uh, how come? So many pastors will tag themselves in pictures and say, hey, preachers and sneakers, look at me. I've got these fancy shoes on. Like Not like the the Carl Lenses of the world, but like normal pastors like me. And it's like they want to be on your site. I don't understand why you'd want that. Like there's nothing. I can't imagine anything good. No offense. I can't imagine anything good from coming about being on your website. Why do people do that?
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's surprising. Like the amount of people, it's a lot of people follow the account, which I'm grateful for uh, and one thing i learned like early last year like before covid was that there's a whole group of people that just see it as a cool cultural thing like preachers and sneakers it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it deals with sneakers it deals with christianity it, i'm a gen z person preachers mm-hmm. and sneakers <laughs> and so <laughs> a lot of people see it as just that and see it as uh it rarely happens but see it as like a uh badge of honor or something where i if you don't read the comment section then i could see how you would want to be on it and people every week are either sending me their pastor or the pastor specifically is messaging me with a whole story about why (laughs) it would be awesome if they could be posted blah blah and so a lot of times i'll post them in my stories but not on, on my actual feed um early on there were guys that were straight up sending me pictures of them wearing like Burberry shoes or any other kind of designer item with the price tag. Like, look at me wearing these $800 shoes preaching. And I was like, I don't know if you're completely, you don't get this. uh, (laughs) You don't
0: don't get, you don't get the joke. You don't, you don't get the joke at all. Um, yeah, but
1: people also want, people want exposure. People like getting likes or like to, be featured on something that's got a lot of followers or something
0: okay um, real real talk i had um, mako fujimoto on the podcast uh a week week or two ago and uh, like his background was just amazing like it's obviously like his studio has just got these uh, like amazing work you you, you reference mako in the book that's why I, I you know what i'm talking about
1: yeah the quote about um anyway you into the book yeah you you reference it
0: quote it was a beautiful quote, which yeah. I know is very <laughs> I I could, meaningful, but remember. what I'm saying, like I had him on the pie. And so I t- took a screenshot of it and then I put it on Twitter, I said, Hey, Room Raiders, this is, I, I said, his backdrop was the best I've ever seen. This is easily Room Raiders 10 out of 10. And, uh, and so they, they, they cut me out of the picture and put him on Room Raider. Do, do you follow that, uh, site on Twitter? Like anyway, old MTV show. No, Rumorators? no. I, gosh, why do you make me feel so old every time I say something? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> Let me I, look it up. I'm, I'll look it up on I'll Twitter. Room rate. What did they do? Is like it was like a COVID thing where they took um, people's backdrops from doing like no. z- z- Zoom. Not <laughs> <laughs> room rater. R A T E R. Oh, I <laughs> See, I like room rater. I D E R. Like the old show. Oh, that the is an MTV show. show. I do remember that. I'm not too old to miss that <laughs> cultural reference gosh anyway so i referenced him on that and then they uh they put me on there as well and like that was a big deal to me um but that's like an old person version of being i guess on preachers and sneakers i say that but like carl's older than me carl Lentz is like older than me so Uh i'm not old never mind you're looking up right now i am yeah i'll I'll send you a link afterwards don't worry about it yeah thanks anyway but i get like the idea like someone wants to be on something that has notoriety that has hundreds of thousands of people that follow it and like like it's still that celebrity vortex like it's going to suck you yeah. in even if you're like you're the butt of this joke but you still want to be on it
1: yeah and it it's uh i get it i get it like it social media is such a huge part of our lives now that getting somebody with a blue check to put you on is is such a big thing for a lot of people and you know even for me like it feels good to have other big platforms say something about my account or mention something that i do is funny and it's just a matter of like you got to be careful that if that feels too good to you you probably need to work on why that feels so good to you
0: yeah um and to say that like huge platforms like that's an understatement like washington post there's a ton of like very substantial like literally worldwide things that were talking about you last week when you uh came out of the shoe closet and admitted your identity as this book's about to roll out but there is a, like a level of no one used that phrase in any of the articles
1: which i'm surprised well i like that
0: you got to come here for that kind of stuff um, no, i like that yeah that yeah you're free you're welcome feel free to use that um thank you you don't even have to tag me in it because i don't want i don't want to be in your like no comments. i will people I, love, you'll love the nope, blue check nope, man no nope. put you on don't worry. i nope i don't want to Hard pass, hard pass. But like, there's a level of like, okay, so you're a dude who's criticizing people for getting a big platform and like they're living this extravagant lifestyle. But then now like you've got a blue check by your name and you've got a book deal and now you're friends with Joel McHale and you get to go to his house and he sends you back with you know bottles of wine and you're like, well, yeah, like I get you're not a pastor and it's it's different, but you're still kind of operating in the same world. And so like there's like this weird line where you're going, there's context to everything. And Mm -hmm. some would say, well, you're just being hypocritical because you're playing the same game now. And I know you're not a pastor, so it's not the same, but it's like, there's like this messy line of going, yeah, but you're making money off of it now. And I don't know. There's the thing of that Jesus says, don't judge other people because in the same way you judge others, you're going to be judged. And, you know, maybe part of this conversation is, yeah, don't judge people because none of us are completely scot-free of dealing in the currency of this culture and the, and being complicit with a complex, messy thing. Yeah, but then is when is something
1: worth mentioning? You know. Yeah, it's up to all of us to decide if something is important enough for the flourishing of the church to bring up or not. Like I get the irony, and people call me hypocrite all the time. Uh, I think, like you said, it's different. I I have never criticized anybody for making money off their work. Yeah, I've never really been like this. Has more been commentary and satire than it has been me straight up criticizing everybody forever making money off of being a pastor like being a pastor is a tough job you're a freaking pastor like to to lead people spiritually and to take care of people emotionally and to be present and to be uh, a spiritual guide for people is an immense calling it's incredibly tough and I think you should be paid for it I do think that it's worth questioning the system that you can now get rich off of being just that yeah. and especially the wisdom that comes from living off of donations of others that are donating to be obedient to God's word and in turn building your own platform, writing your own books, getting your own wealth and then saying, you're just a hater because I'm successful. It's like, no, no, I care about how the church is represented to the outside world and the reverence that we have for the creator of the universe. Like if we're using him as an ATM or a gumball machine is what I I tell a story about that in the book. Yeah. uh, It turns God into not much more than a gumball machine transactionary. Like, Hey, if I, if I have a lot of faith and I donate, then God's going to give me my best life now, that kind of thing, which is never guaranteed. Um, And so Yes, I get the irony and I, I know that like I still hold fast or hold strong to the fact that I've never criticized anyone for straight up making money or making a profit. I got my MBA, like I want to make money. I want to make a profit, <laughs> but I also don't want to do it uh, under the guise of me leading people as a spiritual leader. And to me, that nuance matters to me.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think this has been an important conversation that the church has had to have, I think it's, uh, it, two years ago or April 4th, 2019, I guess that is two years ago when like I first started having conversations about this, I could never have imagined a point where I could get to the place where you say, like, I, I get why someone has very expensive shoes and I can imagine a world in which like, I don't think that's a sin. Uh, two, uh-huh. two years ago, I, I couldn't have said that. Like, I just thought like, that's clearly wrong, but there's the, you know, the old adage of like, is there such thing as a house? that's too big. Yes, right. of course there's a house. To, but typically when we say, well, how many square feet that is? Uh, right. That's too big. Typically it's like just a few square feet that's bigger than your house. That's when it is. And um, <clears throat> like I can imagine a world in which like this is a hobby that I, I whatever. But yeah. I also don't want to say that it's wrong for a pastor to have nice things. Like that's, I, I don't think that's I wrong. Agree. That's not fair. Uh, but I also think we need to be aware of like when you step on a stage and when you re- like Put yourself up and say, "Hey, I am going to tell you about God." Uh, y- y- you reference the uh, the Canadian uh, philosopher Marshall McEwen. Is he like a communications guy? Is that what he was? Uh, you are business guy. You should know these. The things. medium is the message. Yeah, yeah, that quote. Yeah, but you 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 reference that guy who says that, and part of what I am communicating when I step on stage is like is is that and. You know, if you're a pastor who's super obsessed with fitness and, you know, you're in your fifties and you, you're extremely vascular and you have veins popping up everywhere and you're going, huh, um, like this required some like chemical assistance to get there. And you go, well, th- that's, are you vain that, yeah. that there's something going on there. Now, I, like, I, am a big fan of fitness and it's a big part of my life. And, you know, I, I think that's very healthy, but I, to, to care about fitness, but there's a line, like you can cross it. And the thing for me is like, I look at these people and go, I don't relate to them at all. Like they're spending stuff on clothes that I can't relate to. Um, but I also have friends who are new to America, who've come from countries that are literally yeah. uh, plagued by genocide. And they come and like, they see me and I'm their pastor. And you know, I have a house that conditioned uh, church. Yeah, like, yeah. My wife and I both have cars and like, we're able to go on a vacation to Florida. And like, th- these are things that they're not able to have at this point in their life. And yeah like, it makes me go like, Okay, you you really need to be careful of what you're doing, and I I, I wouldn't have thought this way without your without the work that you've done. And thank you. Yeah, it's very complicated, and it is. (laughs) So like this interview is different for me because it's not because I'm just like I'm perplexed by it. Like I don't I don't know exactly what to say, but I'm glad it's happening, and the book is really good, and yeah. So there's
1: that. (laughs) Thank you for saying that because it is like it very. A lot of people show up and ask the question. What does this benefit? How could this be good for anything? And it's for that very thing. Like it, it is messy and it's complicated and I don't have all the answers, but you're not the only person that's had that inner struggle with themselves or had that conversation with themselves and say, hey, do I consider how the Western church looks to the rest of the billions of people of the world? Yeah. Like uh, Andrew Schultz is a, a comedian that I really yeah. like.
0: Um, Are you friends with him now too?
1: No, well, I've messaged with him a few times. Did you see? because I'm a fan.
0: Did you see his, uh, uh, like, so he's, I, I feel like he and Carl are friends, but did you see his recent special, like, uh, Schultz Saves the World?
1: I think we started, it, is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix, I think we yeah. We started watching it. We didn't finish it. Yeah. Because he, you know, he's pretty, he's pretty crass.
0: Yeah. Carl but, doesn't work out. Like, he, Carl, mm-mm, he probably doesn't like it. Anyway, carry on. Schultz, <laughs> um, this
1: dude, for people that don't know, he's a crowd work comedian who just does everything off the cuff for the most part, but he's also got a few podcasts and everything. And he also, he understands international culture really well to the point of being yep. able to make fun of it. And he made, he said something that stuck out to me and I've never stopped thinking about it. What he was like, dude, you people say you care about the poor, like in the States, bro. You do y'all cuss on this podcast. I you guess you're, you do. Yeah. <laughs> like we take shits into clean drinking water every single day and flush it and say, we care about the poor, bro. Like hmm. that, that stuck with me a ton, basically saying like, dude, we have it. And we all say, we all know it objectively, but we have it so good here in the United States. And that translates into church as well. Like The way we do church is just so incomprehensible compared to the the majority of the the world. Um, And so I just think it's worth all of us auditing the things that we value, the way we perceive others, the way we treat others online, the way we treat celebrities, who we elevate to celebrity status. You know why we choose to post things that we post, like what we're trying to accomplish by posting certain things. All those things are what I want for people that come to the account or read the book or anything, because that's what I'm doing, and uh, not doing it perfectly. But I think it's part of refining. Yeah. In like, it's not easy, but it's it's a refining type thing.
0: Yeah, I I think people. are using your site wrong if they use it to shame other people. Um, but if they use it as a tool to go, wait a minute, the, the line of good and evil is never between us and them, but it's always right down the middle of me. It's right down the middle of my own heart to go, okay. I, I see this on a scope and scale that's like different than mine. And, and maybe a lot of your, you know, your viewers or whatever, like they can afford that kind of stuff and that's the world. Fine. Um, but for the rest of us, like, yeah, that's not my world, but there are ways in which I have the same sin in my own heart and I need to address yeah. this too. Um, like, if I think you want that,
1: people to be about it, you better be about it
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly So, um, hey, the, the book was good Like It's really well written, it's kind of fun It's a fun read Thank you. Uh, so uh, the book is obviously titled Preachers and Sneakers um, Ben, thanks for the time And I uh, appreciate the conversation That you're uh, creating in our culture Thank you
1: Luke, it was a pleasure And uh, I appreciate you giving me some time, man
0: Yeah, right on, dude, good stuff Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.